Well, good morning, everybody, and praise God. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time listening to me, hello, I'm Pastor Ed. I come to you from McKinney, Texas, and this is Gospel Saving Church, one of God's true churches of these last days. And this is our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. I hope you did not come and listen to this message today, or you didn't click on this message today, because you were wanting to be entertained, because you had a hope that that somehow you'd come here and, and, and find... Uh, be laughing the whole sermon long and have fun and because that's not what church is supposed to be for church god's church god's main focus of god's church is supposed to be for teaching you about god's word so that we can grow in god's word and so that we can do the things that god says in his word and that we would encourage one another to do those things if something i say happens to make you laugh well then praise god laugh but we're not supposed to be here and come to church. You're never supposed to go to any church, according to the Word of God, to be entertained. Anyway, let's move on. We always start with a word of prayer and from God, just to ask God to help us understand His Word. And because we know the Word says, the Word of God says that we can't understand the things of God except by the Spirit of God. So if you guys would join me in a word of prayer, please, let's ask the Lord to help us understand and then not only help us understand, but help us to do the things that he says in his word that we're going to read today. God, we thank you so much for bringing us here today, Lord God. We thank you so much for your your precious Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you so much for your precious word, Lord God. For There's been so many people that have said all this about your Holy Spirit and this about you and that about you, Lord God, but it doesn't hold up with the things that your word says. And, and Father God, we were just having a discussion as a church about this before this message and our some, some time we were having before church talking about the things of you and Lord, how important it is to stay upon your word, God in heaven, and not to move off of your word, God, because your word is where your word is our authority. If we go by feelings, Lord God in heaven, then, then we're just, then those are just all random. Those are just all how I'm feeling now or how I'm feeling tomorrow or how I felt yesterday. But Lord, if we're, if your word is our light, Lord, then we have an anchor. We have a a, a solid foundation, Lord God. So I, I pray, Lord God, that we would always stay in your word. I pray that you'd bring more churches in this world back to the authority of your word and not just people's feelings. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us here at Gospel Saving Church and all my faithful listeners online. I pray that you'd help us to stay in tune and stuck on and and, and firm and, and, and staunch, Lord God, on your word and following your word. And Lord, may it truly continue to be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Lord, we we thank you and we love you and we praise you and we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So, uh, a little bit different than normal today. Where you'll want to go in your Bibles, you'll want to kind of hang out in Matthew chapter 7. We'll we'll be doing some other things, but uh, we've had some hard times lately as a church and and it's been a, a struggle, I'm being honest with you right now, being transparent, to keep on going on with this work that uh, we believe God has put us to. And to absolutely know it's been a struggle, 100%, that this is really the path that God wants us on and, and is actually still God's will for us. It hasn't gone the way anybody's expected and we've had a lot of downfalls and things have been difficult, but here we are. Uh, but God this week has shown me that uh, we are to remain steadfast for now. And so keep on keeping on uh, for now, that is. And so, but in my seeking God this week and these struggles that I just mentioned just now, we've been through, uh, I did not really even start. I didn't, I wouldn't have had enough time to start the verse by verse because that's how we go here through the Bible. We go verse by verse, book by book. And I really wouldn't have had enough time by the time God gave me the, the thumbs up or by the time I kind of really got the, the, the go-ahead confirmations that this work is still of the Lord to, to go on. I wouldn't have had enough time to prepare our verse by verse out of Acts chapter 16 because I'm, I'm dedicated to uh, you know a, a certain amount of preparation time for that. And part of God showing me that we should keep going on and keep on keeping on is this message because believe it or not, I didn't start this message until Friday morning. Yes, that's just a couple days ago from today. 
and and just a little work yesterday evening, not even this morning. But just to give you a normal idea of my normal sermon prep, I usually start on Monday, uh, so that'd be tomorrow after today's message, and then I work all the way, usually, a lot of times, most times, all the way till Sunday morning. Again, I'll still be working on it, so I'll, yes, that's seven days that I'll work on the teaching of the Word of God for just one hour message that I have on Sunday morning, because to me, the accuracy of the Word of God and keeping to the purity and accuracy of what God is saying to us in His Word is so much more important than just anything that I'd want to say or any story that I'd want to give or any feeling that I'd want to, oh, I'm feeling like I'm supposed to go this way. Just the accuracy of the Word and the purity and what God is saying to us in our Word. Uh, And that, to me, deserves the utmost of importance in my life as this is a calling of mine from God and I can't it's it, this is this is one of the reasons why gospel saving church is here is because we are all into the purity and the reality and the the accuracy of the word of God and that is our authority not just again a whim or a wave of feeling or a, a wave of this or a wave of that we hold true to the word of God but anyway today we have a, a topical stand-in sermon, I'll call it. That's not the name of the sermon today. You already see the name of the sermon. I'll be giving you that here in a little bit, though, as you online already see it. A sermon that God laid heavy on my heart just around the middle of this week, and again, one that I did not even start until just this Friday morning. Uh, So here it is, but first with the backdrop for its inspiration, how this message kind of came to me. The idea and passion for this message came to me as I was working on my school bus this week. As my other job, my main job, my paid job, the one job that I get paid at that I support my family with is I drive school bus for the one of the cities that's around my city that I live in. And I use my job, my attitude, and my life all while I'm on my school bus to witness to the public school kids that I drive daily. I have a newer school bus and it come and it came equipped with a radio that I can play whatever station that I'm willing to play. Being public school, according to the corrupted law of the land, I'm not technically allowed to play Christian music, but because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I honor my Lord Jesus Christ, I do, and God protects me because I trust in and obey Him every day. And I don't get in trouble for playing this music, even though I could be commanded to stop and even lose my job for doing so, as that breaks the corrupted law of the land, you know, separation of church and state, which is not even really a thing. So anyway, praise God for his faithfulness and protection. But anyway, there are a few Christian radio stations that get into the inspiration of what this message came from that I will play sometimes, but mostly I'll just play one in particular. Mostly they are pretty pretty, pretty biblical, this one that I listen to, outside of those pastors that they lie. So they have this little, uh, during your listening, during their shows, during their, you know, song, hours of songs that they play, they, they'll have a a break-in of the one I listen to is listener-supported, so there's no commercials. And so one of the ways that they get their support is they allow pastors uh, that want to, they want to propagate their church, they want to make their name well-known, they want to give an encouraging message, they want to help people find Jesus or whatever. But um, one of the things that they do is they allow pastors from around the country to buy one-minute segments of talk time, where usually they'll give like a one-minute segment of one of their sermons, or maybe if a one minute of a couple different sermons that they'll kind of splice together of, a, again, a, an encouraging message or something to propagate their name or something to make their name uh, well-known. And, you know, at times in the past, there's been one or two that they've allowed to buy time on there that were a, a biblically super apostate, modern-day preachers uh, uh, for that minute. But But that's not been lately, so praise God. But it's like anything with anything, especially with Christianity. You'll never agree with everything that every pastor says or every church does. So, so even though this Christian radio station occasionally allows uh, an apostate preacher here and there to give a one-minute clip of their message, most all that they speak about and preach about and say on the station is biblical. And it's 100% on point and it's correct. And uh, that's really important to me that whoever I listen to is biblical and it's, you know, that they stay true to God's word, not just whoever. That, that's really important to me. And there, there's a philosophy that a friend of mine, an old friend of mine, a, 
uh, used to have, and he, he said it like this, it's eat the meat and spit out the bones, you know, just like a church. Uh, every church you're going to go to, you're never going to agree with 100% of everything the pastor's going to say, uh, and, and, and vice versa. The pastor's not going to agree with 100% of things that you believe, but you agree to disagree on most non-salvific, non-essential things, and then you move forward in your life loving the Lord, and then, you know, you, you move on in love. Eat the meat and spit out the bones. But anyway, so the inspiration, uh, the word of God from this message came because of me listening to this Christian radio station with the kids on my bus. Now, you now you know the backdrop. Now that you do, I'll give you the title of the message and, and what someone said on this station that God used to spring up this message in my heart. The, the title of this message is, uh, which you online have already seen that, is Everyone is Not Saved. Everyone is not saved. Now, what someone said that sparked this message in my heart? Well, it was one of the DJs or one of their pastors with their one little clips that they were playing on there. Um, but when they were speaking to us, their listeners, you know, as a whole, all those listened to the station, you know, all those that were online listeners of their stations, you know, whatever, whoever it was that was on the, either the DJ or the one minute pastor, they referenced to everyone that they were speaking to in their thing, as if they were a child of God. Now, this may not seem very big to you, but I know for sure God does, because this word, we're going to get to that in a minute, but I have much angst over this, and my soul gets bruised to the core of my being when anyone that speaks God's word to anybody that's listening when they do this. For you see, everyone is not saved, unfortunately. Everyone that will ever listen to this message right now, the here, every, the everyone is not saved message, they will not be saved. At least they won't be saved maybe at the time that they're listening. Hopefully by the end of the message, they'll be saved. Or hopefully sometime down the road, they'll truly be saved. But, but everybody that's listening currently to this message may not even be saved. Okay. Everyone that heard this speaker on this certain Christian radio station this certain day this week was not saved when they spoke to all their listeners as if they were saved. Now, I've heard Joel Osteen speak this way, and I've heard Rick Warren speak these ways. And can you say, uh, at least from a truly biblical perspective, they are completely 100% off base teachers of heresy, Speakers of Antichrist things, both of them. They have truly, both of them, abandoned the way. And yet, I've listened to different clips on their things. In fact, one of the ones that this Christian radio station will allow them to buy their clips once in a while is Rick Warren. And I've heard their clips, and I've also listened to a sermon, or, or I shouldn't call it a sermon, a message or two about from Joel Osteen, and never once in their messages do they ever not address everyone that's listening to them as nothing but a born-again child of God. They, they reference their audiences, their, their, their congregations, their listeners, whatever. They reference them all as being children of God. Well, it's not just them, though, as a whole that I see becoming, where this is becoming a predominant idea in the Christian church and culture in America. Again, as I said earlier, uh, I see all kinds of people going to this, as this is what I heard on this Christian radio station just this week, and both I and God are grieved when we hear it because it's unbiblical and even antichrist for even jesus christ taught against it i told you that you wanted to hang out in matthew chapter 7 now i'm going to show you what the bible says as far as why everyone is not saved and and we'll even get on there's even more on that look at matthew 7 verses 13 and 14 matthew said that'd be our first scripture out of matthew chapter 7 jesus says this enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Notice wide, many, broad, right? And what way does that way lead to? Destruction. And look there, and there are many who go in by it. Well, Jesus said, I came to give people life and life in abundance, right? Well, that life, and he's talking about life now being greater with God than without God. And of course, life after 
uh, we die being greater because we're being with God and, you know, not away from God. So entering by the wide and broad way that leads to destruction is not heaven. That's not salvation. That's condemnation. That's eternal death. And he said, many will go in by it. So you see, not everyone is even saved right there. Verse 14, because he says, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few that find it. So you see that the many were going to be going to destruction or were going to destruction and then few would find eternal life. And the, and the reason was, is that the way of Christ, the way that Christ expects from his children, from those that get saved, from those that want to even think about going into the faith, the counting of the cost is that because his way is simply just to difficult. For some, it's too difficult. They get into the faith and they get saved and they, they jump on the bandwagon and they get born again, but then they see what Christ expects out of them and then they go, oh man, there's no way. And then they go off. Hence, the, hence he says, verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. That's why people, the many are going to destruction because the way is narrow and difficult to hire. Some people just look at the way of other Christians that aren't saved and they never get saved because they go, whoa, man, I'm never going to be able to do what that guy does. That guy serves his whole life to serve Jesus Christ. I don't want to serve Jesus Christ my whole life. Man, it'd be one thing if it was just a belief, but I'm not going to do that. So because the way is narrow and difficult, few will find everlasting life. So you see, not everyone is saved. That wasn't the only place he spoke. Stay in Matthew because we're going to be going back. But just to break off, in Luke 13, 22 and 24, we have another instance where he goes on the same kind of thing. This time, well, let's just read Luke 13, 24, or 22, 24. And he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying through Jerusalem, toward Jerusalem, excuse me. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? So this guy had the same question. Hey, Lord, is everybody saved or is just a few? And he said to them, verse 24, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Well, that's something that takes effort. Not that salvation is gained by works, but salvation is wrought when we seek the Lord and then we kind of want to know him. And it's kind of like we have to build a relationship and just, you know, we have to create a relationship. God wants to create a relationship when we respond and then we can and we'll go through that kind of the end of the sermon. But, but you see, striving through the enter through the narrow gate, he says, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. So are all saved? Is everyone saved? Well, not according to Jesus. For many, he says here, are going to seek to enter, but they're not going to be able to. See, many are going to seek to want to be able to get into the kingdom of heaven because, or but, excuse me, not because, but, but it's not going to be the way that they thought, or it's going to be harder than they thought, or they're going to want to get in their own way, hence all the religions of the world today, and they're just not going to make it because, again, Matthew 7, uh, narrow, right, and, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and few find it because of that, because of that being that way. So you see, unfortunately, Everyone is not saved. And according to another thing Christ said, and I'll add now, we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 7, everyone will not even be saved in the end, sadly. Seven, go to Matthew 7, 21 through 24. Look at what he says there. I told you we'd be going to Matthew. We're going to stick in Matthew primarily. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. 22, many... There's the word many again, dangerous word many. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? 23, then I will declare to them, who? The many, for he just said for many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. And then he says to them, the many, I never knew you. Depart from me. You practice lawlessness. So these many people are standing before Christ on Judgment Day. They're dead. They're standing before Jesus after they thought all their lives they thought they were saved. 
For, for instance, nobody calls Jesus Lord that doesn't believe themselves to be saved. And my example on that is Muslims don't call Jesus Lord. And we know the Bible says they're not saved. Buddhists don't call Jesus Lord because they don't believe in him as the Christ. Hindus don't believe that he's Lord, meaning he's the only Christ. They kind of call him a liar because they kind of believe every way leads to the right way. And Jesus says, I'm the Christ. I'm not gonna, that, was, that was last week. I'm not going to get into that. And you see, no one calls Jesus Christ unless they believe that they are saved. So they thought their whole lives, or from a point on, they thought, I'm saved, and, and I did all these good things for you, Jesus. Yet, yet to these many people, ouch, on Judgment Day, Jesus Christ says, or will say, or has been saying, I should say, because that's been, people have been dying since he came, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. He says, I never Knew you. Yet now, thinking about this idea that was spoken of on that Christian radio station, the same way that Joel Osteen and Rick Warren do it all the time, referring to and speaking to all the many they speak to as their listeners, as they are saved, in light of what we've looked at in the Bible, that's a big fat wow. That's a big fat wow. They are by referring to everybody in your audience as being a child of God is not biblical. This idea, this way, this teaching makes me want to throw up. It really does. It is unbiblical. It is antichrist. And it's adding, here's the, here's the, here's the worst part of it all. It's adding to the apostate state of our country of America. And I'm not sure if it's making an impact like that on the world, but it's definitely making an impact on the apostate state of America. For everyone is not saved, and sadly, unfortunately, Matthew 7, 21, 24, according to what Jesus said even there, everyone will not even be saved. This is to God's displeasure. God says himself, 2 Peter 3.9, he desires everyone to be saved. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.4, God's desire, that he desires that Christians pray for everyone because he, verse 4, desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. But unfortunately, as we see here, as I was actually just telling my wife, ironically, just the other day, I think even before this, yeah, because I just started this message on Friday morning, uh, which was at work, I wasn't even home and it was during the week, God doesn't even get what he wants. Why should we? People always cry, and I'm guilty too. I'm guilty. I can't have what I want. Why can't I just have this one thing? Well, God doesn't even have everything he wants. God can't even get everything he wants because why? Even though God wills and desires all mankind to be saved, sadly, this doesn't mean that all are saved because he gave everyone autonomous free will. And that means that he gave them a will that was apart from his control to either choose him or reject him. And that's something that he did because God doesn't want robots. God wanted a real-life relationship with people that was outside of his influence to know truly who really loved him and truly who really didn't love him. And so, sadly, uh, most, as we read Jesus Christ speaking, do not choose his path because, why again, it's too difficult. Now, everyone being saved really does have a nice ring, doesn't it? Everyone saved, oh man. Everyone gets to go to heaven, wow. Believing everyone that you speak to, to be saved, really gives a person a good feeling, though, doesn't it? That one too. Oh man, everybody you talk to, oh, they're saved. Oh, I don't have to reach them for Jesus, man. Oh, God loves them. They're saved. Oh man, I feel so good about that. Wow, that's awesome. And even convincing yourselves that everyone that's around you or us in our churches is saved, that really also makes me happy too. Wow, every, everybody here is for Jesus. Wow, man, everybody here. Oh, it, it, that's deception. For even the Bible warns that deceptive people, people that aren't Christians, people that are wolves of the devil are going to make their way into our churches and they're going to deceive people and pull people away from the truth. So listen, everyone is not 
saved. Uh, is everyone that listens to a Christian radio station that day that I listened to that, you know, when that person said that? No. Is everyone that goes to church, whether worldwide or with you, are they saved? No. Not according to Jesus Christ and his teaching in God's word. In fact, remember, many will not be saved while relatively only a few of people, again, relative, will be saved. I have a little girl and her friend that come to visit me on my school bus many afternoons as I wait to pick up my kids at the high school in my afternoon day. And just the other day, I heard one of them singing along with one of the Christian songs on the radio. And I was surprised to hear that she knew the lyrics. So I asked her about how she knew. And she told me really quick, just bam, better off. I'm a Christian. And, and she goes, and I said, well, how, or, you know, I said, well, how do you know him? She goes, well, I listen to iHeartRadio. And yeah, I just gave a plug to iHeartRadio. I, that's a good station. I love it. That's a great thing to do. Well, just the other day, just this one little girl came, the one that professed to be a Christian came to visit me. And the one that, the one, the other one had some studies to do. And so I thought, I really want to find out a little bit more about her profession of being a Christian. So I tried probing with just a question or two. And I started out with, of course, the most popular question. Uh, well, where do you go to church? Now, that's pretty, that's the most common question you ask somebody that professes to be a Christian. Well, where do you go to church, right? So she sheepishly tells me uh, <laughs> which one it was. I immediately recognized it as a super apostate church that's in our local area, uh, a, a church that plays secular music to make their congregation feel comfortable that comes in to sit to hear about Jesus. They play secular Metallica music to make their Christian, or, or, well, the people that come into that church feel like they're welcome. Uh, if you don't consider that apostate, you better read your Bible because the Bible says that things are for God are holy and, and, and secular music Metallica is, is not holy. Hence, anyway, making what she told me next as I continue to probe, no surprise. She goes on to tell me that they hardly go. We don't really ever go, you know, uh, I don't know. When I asked why, she told me, here, here were her, here were her anti-biblical reasons for not going. They don't go because they eat out with friends and have social gatherings on Sunday, and her and her mom just really don't like to wake up early in the morning to go to church. That's, those, are, those are biblical, right? That's what we see in the Bible. The Bible says, follow God any way you want. Just do whatever you want and make up your own rules. That's not what the Bible says. Anyway, do I really believe that she's a real deal Christian, born again, saved, and headed to heaven when she dies to stay right now? Uh, no. I don't, because I don't see her lifestyle represent this, so I pray for her, and I'm trying to reach her for the Lord. If I had never heard her sing along with some of those Christian songs that were playing on the radio, I would never have guessed that she was saved person because her actions didn't speak the same to me. And Jesus said that we would know who was really his by the fruit that was born that comes out of that person's life. That fruit being our words and our actions and our deeds. Matthew 7, 19 and 20. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. 1 John 2, 1 through 4. John, the apostle of the Lamb says this. Now, by this, we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments... And we know that although Jesus never gave the command, be in church, Christ just emulated the spirit of, we're gathering for church, and that's what they did all, all the time. Verse 4, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as Jesus walked. What's my point there? Where am I going with this here? Well, the whole idea of making everybody feel saved or kind of this all-inclusiveness of everybody getting saved spurns on this attitude of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. Hey, I do this one thing. I, I'm, I'm, I must be a Christian. People, please listen to me. The idea of everyone being saved, this mindset that's taught profoundly broad and, and wide in America is not true. It's an anti-Christ teaching. The, the Bible is so clear about it that it's sickening and disgusting to me that any real and true believer, especially a, a, a real pastor or, or DJ of a Christian radio station that has an audience that's speaking to people, would really believe it or even has a, has a mindset to speak it to their audiences. It's just mind-blowing that anybody 
would do this. This idea is a mindset which makes the way many teachers and DJs talk to their audiences as if they're all saved is so sad and it makes me super angry and I know that it makes God and Christ angry as well. And again, as I've spoken on in the sermon, backing it up with God's word, the Bible's clear, super clear that everyone sadly is not saved. And sadly, and it grieves my heart, everyone won't even be saved. And again, this idea of making God angry. If just just think of it, we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna break it down even more. I kind of alluded to it just a few minutes ago. Think of this. Why would this make God so angry? This this all inclusiveness, this oh, you know, everybody that I'm speaking to is a saved person and not making a distinction between, you know, like when I'm speaking. If I'm speaking to people, as I do all the time, as I do often on a weekly basis or, or more, I'll, I, will, I will, first of all, I will, not con- I will not call somebody a brother or sister in Christ if I don't absolutely know that they are a true born-again believer. Somebody may say to me, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, blah, 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 and I, I, I will not automatically go, oh, all right, brother, that's awesome. I will not call another person a brother or a sister in Christ giving them a false sense of being in God's arms unless I truly hear why they're a Christian, what what the proofs of them being a Christian, what the fruits of their lives. I'll wait and see the fruit of your life. I won't just jump and make you feel secure in God's arms until I know for sure, until I see it, until I see the fruit of real a real Holy Spirit-filled person in front of me. I won't do it. And And here's the deal. If teachers of God's word teach as if everyone that's listening to them is saved and safe in God's arms, but they're not, then why would anybody that's listening see their need to truly ever seek God in Jesus Christ and come to find out how he said that they should be saved? The answer is simple. They won't. If you just make everybody that's listening to you feel like they're all, they're safe in God's arms, then how would they see their need? How would they see that their need that they're not saved? If we as teachers and those that proclaim the word of God don't make that distinction to our listeners, how are they going to see the difference then to make them see that they need to turn? And if they won't see the difference, and if they won't see their need, because they won't see their need, excuse me, then they will ignore God's Spirit calling them to really come to know Him. Salvation, no. You see, there's a difference between the salvation knowledge of God and just a knowledge of God. Okay? There's a salvation no God. This is like an intimate relationship like a man would have with his wife, or a wife would have with a man in a marriage. This is a salvation knowledge. It's an intimate, personal knowledge. It's a relationship knowledge. Uh, But there's also a knowledge of, hey, I know this uh, person that I see on TV all the time. This guy that, you know, uh, this this singer, this girl, she's a singer. You know, I know lots of Christian singers. Carrie Job and Mercy Me and, and all kinds of different Christian singers. I know of them. But do I know them like I know my wife? No, I don't know them like I know my wife. Hence, I don't have a relationship with them. I just know of them. Well, most people in this world, especially in America, know of God, but they don't have a personal relationship with God. And if they don't see their need because speakers speak all-inclusively, then they're going to go to their graves being assured that they are saved, and yet they won't be. Does that sound familiar to you? Does that sound like something that we've just heard? Yeah, that's Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 24. Those people are the people that what we're doing now, not me, but what people that are Christians now in this country are so-called preachers and speakers, DJs, pastors of this Christian world that we have now. This is what they are making an atmosphere of this idea of making people feel secure in God's arms, but they're not Really, they're making Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 24, a reality in our world. Because all are not saved that are in their audiences. And they're really doing their audiences a great injustice by doing this. For unless there's a saying that, that's very, very common. I love old sayings. If you know me for any amount of time, you probably know me in my sermons. I love old sayings. I love old, because 
all the old sayings are so on point. People had more, so much more insight. I think people spoke more with one another and people did more thinking. Now everybody's faces are in their phones and in their electronics. But people did more thinking back in the old days. And, and there's an old saying, and, and it goes like this. Necessity is the mother of invention. That means, in case you don't know what that means, there, there was a time in our world where people didn't have a table and chairs to eat at. They just ate on the ground. You know, Adam and Eve, when they were first created, they didn't have a table and chairs. God had to give them the wisdom to build that, but then they had they actually accumulated that knowledge because they were like, well, you know, tired of sitting on the ground. And they figured, well, I could sit on this rock and then eat, and that's better. But then they, at some point, their necessity of wanting a better way to eat caused them to create a table with chairs where you could actually sit upright and you could sit down and you could, you know, you didn't have to be on the ground uncomfortable. Uh, you just look at other things, transportation. And people got tired of walking long distances. They were like, you know, there's got to be a better way to walk long distances. And so what did they do? They were like, well, you know, oh, there's that beast of burden over there. Let's, let's, let's see if that horse, man, that horse and that, that, that cow or that beast, they, they sure do move a lot faster than we do. Hey, let's, you know, let's get something to hook up behind them and let's roll. Oh, and that's, that's better. That's better than walking 100 miles. Let's get a, a horse and carriage. That's better than walking 100 miles. We'll see. Unless it works the same spiritually. Uh, unless an unsaved person is made or helped to understand they're not safe in God's arms and not helped to realize that they're unsaved, then they're never going to see their need to be saved and will never respond to God's voice, which is calling them to salvation in Jesus Christ. Without an unsaved person knowing their necessity to be saved, why would they think they need to be saved and then strive to enter through the narrow gate as Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 7? They won't. This mindset of teaching and make everyone that's listening to you feel inclusive and saved as a, as a teacher, uh, being saved in Jesus Christ already really makes, again, the atmosphere of Matthew 7, 21 through 24. And this scares me. And I'm seeing this come to light around me every single solitary day in this country. And when I hear it on radio stations and when I hear it in so-called pastor's sermons, it makes me sick to my stomach. John 16, 7 through 8, Jesus says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, speaking to his disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, listen, listen to what the Holy Spirit's going to do. This is the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But, now think of this, if a Christian speaker, any Christian speaker, makes all those listening to them feel included in the salvation of Christ, and as if all that are listening to them are saved, and they already are safe in God's arms, then they can easily ignore God's Holy Spirit convicting them of the sin of rebellion, of them being the God of their own lives that separates them from God, and the judgment due to them because of that sin. And then they won't do what's necessary to be saves. To all of my people out there that are listening to me, that love Jesus Christ, that are truly born again, that are truly saved, because that's a big if. If you are, I'm going to speak to you separate, then I'm going to speak to those that are maybe not. Please listen to me. Don't get caught up in the deception that everyone in your church or everyone that you speak to on an everyday basis at your job, wherever you, wherever, at the grocery store, do not get into the mindset that everyone around you is saved. And, and please, my brother or sister in Christ, stop allowing yourself to believe that all people around you in this world are saved. And please, DJs of Christian radio stations and even you pastors out there, stop believing and referring to your listeners and your congregations as if all who are listening to you and your listening audience are saved. Because this is adding to the atmosphere of Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 24. And it's adding to the number of people that are going to stand before Jesus Christ someday. And they're going to go, Lord, Lord. And he's going to go, who are you? you I, know, I know you did all those things, but you're not mine. Why you're not mine? You didn't do the will of God and you practiced lawlessness. Why did you think you were mine? Well, but, but Lord, but Lord, Lord, we, 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 we were told... He's going to say, be gone. 
And do you want to be a part of that? If you love Jesus and you really are saved, do you want to be a part of adding to that number of people that stand before God and that he turns away after they've been deceived all their lives? And really listen, please listen carefully, my listener. I don't want you just to think that you're definitely saved 100% because I'm speaking to saved people. There are saved people and there are unsaved people. And there are people listening to this message that will be saved and there are people that are listening to this message that will not be saved. Remember, but, but, but who are you? <laughs> Where are you to God? Just because you may have a belief in Jesus, I'm going to touch on that in just a moment, just because you may have a belief in Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that you're saved. Remember, Matthew 7, 21 through 24, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Notice that's not just a belief. That's actually finding out what God's will is and doing it. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done money wonders in your name, and I would declare to them, I never knew you. Get away from me. Again, they stood there at the judgment day, thinking that they were Christians their whole lives. But Jesus said, no, you're not. And they didn't realize it. They didn't acknowledge it. They didn't even acknowledge it before Christ. God just showed me. They were deceived standing at the judgment seat of Christ. They were deceived. How do you know that you're right with him? Many will go the way of destruction because the way is narrow and hard and difficult. Where do you Stand. Many people will stand before Christ one day and call him Lord, Lord, just like they professed him as their Lord while they were alive, and he's going to tell them, I never knew you depart from me. How do you know, my listener, that you aren't one of them? And people, listen to me, please. Jesus Christ said that this would be the many. Many would come to him in that day and say, Lord, Lord. So how do you know that you're saved if you really think you're saved? If you know you're not, that's one thing. But if you think you are, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know you're not one of those people that are going to stand before him and say, Lord, Lord, and he's not going to say, be gone from me. Well, uh, <laughs> how, how, how do you think you're saved? Have you bought into the one lie in America that the teachers of the Bible have taught just a belief in Jesus Christ is going to save you? Have you bought into that one? Well, I believe in Jesus, Pastor Ed. Was that going to save you? Well, the Bible says that even the demons believe in Jesus Christ. And we know that they're never, ever, ever going to be saved. And so, so just a belief is not going to save you in Jesus Christ. How about this one? Just pray this prayer of salvation and believe on Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Well, it's really sad to say. There's not one magical prayer of salvation listed in the Bible in God's word even once. And again, even the demons believe in Jesus Christ and we know they're not saved. I know that the scripture references all over the place belief in Jesus Christ for salvation. But when you get a little deeper in God's word, the Bible is super clear on what type of belief that needs that this belief of salvation needs to be because there's all kinds of belief. And God tells us in his word that he requires a certain kind of belief to be saved. I already addressed it earlier. There's a, there's a knowledge of belief of just things. Oh, I believe that you know, there's a red car, there's a blue car out there, there's a white car out there. Or I own a red car and I drive a red car to work every day. One is an intimate knowledge. One is a knowledge of relationship. One is the knowledge that I have in my head. Look at the way Paul spoke about this uh, belief, this salvation belief in Romans 10, 9 and 10. He says this, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then ye shall be saved. And notice that he said that you had to have a belief in your heart about Jesus Christ being risen from the dead. Not just a belief of like you'd believe in the sun or the moon or a car or a house or a person that's in the world. What does this heart belief that Paul speaks about look like biblically? Uh, biblically to Jesus. 
because that's who that's who we're looking to get a hold of. We're not looking to impress Paul or me or John or Barbara or Ben or Sal or whatever. We're looking at impressing Jesus. Well, what did Jesus, what kind of heart belief did Jesus Christ say that we needed to have to be saved? And here it is. And here's why, here's where Matthew 7, 13, 14 come in. For many will go the way of destruction because it's easy and broad, but, but many won't because the way is hard. For Jesus tells us the way in Matthew 16, 24, and 25, speaking to his disciples of all peoples, he says this. If anyone desires to come after me, let him, that means that they should do, deny himself, or we'll say deny themselves. That very deny themselves is what keeps most people out of the kingdom of heaven. Because this is where, okay, I have a head belief in Jesus Christ, but now I'm supposed to deny myself. Well, what does deny myself mean? Deny myself biblically means that I take myself off the ruling throne of my life. Because you are the one that's in control of your life. And you decide to deny yourself, or you decide to surrender the lordship that you have in you of your life over to Jesus Christ. That means you fall on your knees and you raise your, heart, your, your voice up to God and you cry out to him and say, Jesus Christ, please be my Lord. I give you my lordship on my life. And, and he clarifies what that really meant in verse 25. Very next verse. For he says, for whoever desires to save his life, meaning I want to rule my life. I want to own my life. I want to be the one that's in control of my life. For whoever desires to save his life, his, his earthly life will lose it, meaning they'll lose their eternal life. If you want to be the one in control of your life, you will lose your eternal life. But he says, Whoever loses his life or denies himself of his life or surrenders his life and his heart to Jesus Christ as Lord, as, as a surrender, as a turning to for everything, as a, Lord, I need you. I, I'm, I've screwed up my life. I, I need you to rule me now. I've done a terrible job of ruling myself. But whoever loses his life for my sake, <laughs> there's the key, they'll find it meaning they'll find eternal life. So your eternal life comes not because you have a simple head belief in Jesus, but that your head belief in Jesus Christ would lead you to a surrender belief, to a belief of saying, Lord, I need you. Jesus Christ, please save me. I want you to be my ruler. I want you to be my Lord. I want to follow you now. I'm, I'm tired of following myself. And then after we make that decision, Matthew 16, 24, after he says deny himself, he also goes on to say, and he, then we're supposed to take up our cross. And then we're supposed to follow him. Taking up our cross is a crucifixion of our flesh. When we come to follow Jesus Christ, here's another point where people then fall away from the Lord, why that way is too difficult and too hard. Once you take up your cross, once you decide, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, then he says, okay, now live holy. All those things that you used to watch, oh, you were a porn addict, oh, you liked heavy metal rock and roll where they worshiped the devil, oh, you liked those movies with all that swearing and all that nudity, no, sorry, that's not going to be anymore. Now I'm your Lord? No, that, all that stuff's got to go. And it's called sanctification, it doesn't happen right away, but your heart condition toward all that stuff has to be, okay, Lord, you're my Lord, so now I know, here's what your word says. And, okay, Lord, you're going to purge me of all evil? Okay, Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm yours. Take it. Oh, oh I can't drive 100 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone no more? Oh, okay, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, sir. Oh, oh, I can't watch that movie because it has even one swear word in it, Lord? Yes, Lord. Okay, Lord, you're, you're my Lord. You're my Lord. But most people fall off there because the way is hard and difficult and narrow. And, and then, of course, we're supposed to follow him. The cross before me, the world behind me. As Jesus walked, 1 John 2, so I shall walk. And there is salvation. <laughs> salvation is a process. But it starts with you surrendering. It starts with you falling on your knees, turning your eyes up to heaven, sick and tired of you running and ruining your own life, and letting Jesus Christ be the Lord. Letting Jesus Christ be your master. And then you 
letting him sanctify you, and then you deciding to follow after him. Where are you going to be when you stand before God? You won't listen to Gospel Saving Church and go, oh, I just don't know how I should be that way. I'm going to stand before, yeah, Lord, I'm all right. He's going to say, dude, you heard Pastor Ed tell you right from my word how to be saved. You knew. So now you know. What will you do? You can't stand here and you won't be a Matthew, you won't be a Matthew 7, 21 through 24 person when you go to heaven and you meet Jesus Christ on your judgment day. You'll either be perfected or you just won't listen to me anymore. But either way, I pray that at some point you would surrender. You would surrender and you wouldn't be deceived and you wouldn't be unsaved. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your guidance. Thank you so much for your just your awesomeness, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that this message, Lord, would, would get into people's hearts, Lord, as a great seed. And Lord, either bring them out of that deception of thinking that they are saved and they're really not and into really being saved. Lord, those that are saved, Lord God, I pray that they would cling to you and allow you to still sanctify them and allow you to still make them holy and purge those sinful things from their lives. And and I pray that they would continue to follow you all the way to the end. For Matthew 24 says, Lord God, it's only those that endure to the end that should be saved. Lord, I pray that those listening to me that are yours, that they would endure today and they'd endure tomorrow and they'd endure all the way to the end and they would not fall away. And I pray, Lord God in heaven, that you would... Lord, destroy this atmosphere, Lord, of of these preachers and these DJs and these speakers for you, Lord God, that speak to people and make them feel all-inclusive, Lord God. It makes me sick, Lord God, and I know it grieves your heart too to know that there's people out there that they just... They speak to everybody as everybody that's listening to them is saved when, when only a few people that are actually listening to them are saved, Lord God. But they make them feel so comfortable, God, and they're not doing them any good. They're not doing them any good. Please, dear God, take away this atmosphere of making everybody feel secure in you, Lord God, and bring your holy fire down and show people, Lord God, that you're holy and that we need to fear you and follow you and surrender to you. We thank you, Lord, and we love you, and we praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.